Good day, and this is Dr. Nancy Ellen Miller coming back to you with another episode of Curiouser. So last time we looked at what makes the good life, and I touched on this topic of the daemon. So today we're going to look more deeply at what a daemon is in the Greek sense. We'll also look at the term deep learning and what it means to learn deeply. And how is learning deeply related to your daemon? When you hear the word daemon, you might think of a gargoyle or Betelgeuse. But unlike creatures modeled on the demons of the Middle Ages, daemons are not fallen angels whose purpose is to torment you. In Greek mythology, daemons act as messengers from the divine. In Plato's Apology, Socrates refers to his daemon as an inward oracle. You too have a daemon aligned with your purpose, your vision, and your values. If you've ever felt spirited, full of energy, enthusiasm, and fierce determination, it may have been your daemon enchanting you. When your work has captivated you so deeply that you've forgotten to sleep, your daemon may have been burning the midnight oil. If you've been called by an inner voice to create something, it's likely your daemon on the phone. Your daemon won't always lead you down the safest, most predictable path. Discovering radioactivity or the theory of relativity never promised to be easy. Life's most worthwhile projects rarely leave you cheerful and grinning. In the Book of Life, an ongoing project composed by multiple authors at Alain de Bottom's School of Life, Jess Cotton reminds us that properly exploring our professional talents, managing a household, keeping a relationship going, creating a new business venture, or engaging in politics will involve us in all manner of challenges that will deeply exhaust us and enervate us, provoke us, and wound us. 18-hour shifts at an emergency room will tire any doctor. Long hours at a computer will strain the wrists of any writer. The wiles of children provoke any parent. But that doctor, writer, and parent who find value in the work they do experience another form of well-being. Fulfillment. Unfortunately, not everyone who dedicates herself to a day job will feel fulfilled at the end of the week. If a person doesn't feel valued or connected to something meaningful, it may be difficult for her to get out of bed in the morning, let alone make it to the end of a workday. If she can't see the positive impact of her efforts or experience the pleasure of learning and growing, it can be challenging for anyone to feel motivated. Herman Melville's character, Bartleby, the Scrivener, depicts the extremes of what might happen to a man run down by the hierarchy and daily grind of a dead-end job. Hired as a clerk to copy out legal documents by hand, Bartleby works compliantly day and night with hardly a pause for digestion. Then one day, Bartleby refuses. When his boss asks him to proofread yet another document, Bartleby says, I would prefer not to. Days later, when the same lawyer asks him to step out to the post office, Bartleby repeats, I would prefer not to. Eventually, Bartleby refuses to move, preferring not to. 
forcing the law firm to relocate. Gabber Mate might say that Bartleby's body learns to say no. Many workplaces may still resemble, in small ways, the law offices that employ Bartleby the Scrivener. But thankfully, things are changing. Employers are beginning to recognize that people feel motivated when they have opportunities to engage their curiosity, honor their individuality, and tend to their basic well-being. In an everyone culture becoming a deliberately developmental organization, Harvard School of Education professors Robert Keegan and Lisa Laska-Lehi demonstrate how forward-looking organizations are turning to more human-centered models. Keegan and Leahy have learned that the best way to unleash people's potential is not to demand their compliance, but to think of their learning and development as critical to organizational strategy. Investment in a rich learning culture leads to greater error detection in operational and strategic design, reduction in costs and employee disengagement, and better strategies for anticipating and managing crises. It leads to fewer employees who long to turn around and say to their boss, I would prefer not to. When you hear the phrase deep learning, what comes to mind? If you're a techie, you may think of the latest developments in artificial intelligence. AI can now imitate the vastly adaptive and nonlinear networks of the human brain. Deep machine learning arrives at decisions not through simple computations, but through a complex algorithm or a set of rules that have emerged from processing immeasurable amounts of data. Through processing your data, machines can now learn things about you. But before we carried AI around in our pockets, the term deep learning referred to the deep learning capabilities of the human mind. If you have an education background, you may be familiar with the deep learning approach as opposed to the surface learning approach, which Swedish educational psychologist Terence Martin and Roger Selye from the University of Gothenburg identified over 40 years ago. Students who adapt the surface approach to learning tend to be motivated by a fear of failure or desire for a specific outcome. They suss out what an instructor wants from them and then work to provide it. When you engage in surface learning, you put little or no effort into integrating new knowledge into lived experience. Those who take a deep learning approach consider whatever they're learning as part of a whole. They relate previous knowledge to new knowledge and integrate perspectives from different disciplines. They link theoretical ideas to their everyday experience, which keeps them intrinsically motivated. Rather than focusing on learning as a means to an end, deep learning is gratifying in and of itself. It begins with curiosity, a drive that ignites the desire to learn from the inside rather than from the outside. Schools that emphasize scores and outcomes above curiosity and exploration may inadvertently encourage surface learning. Teachers often ask students to recall and reproduce content and skills. 
When I taught a national curriculum that prepared pupils for the end of year standardized exams, many of my students grew accustomed to asking, will this be on the exam? But you can't always test the depth of a student's learning on an exam. Nor does it benefit the brain to only learn things that will be scrutinized by an external examiner. Deep learning involves detecting patterns, applying knowledge and skills in new contexts and in creative ways, and asking critical and exploratory questions that go beyond the learning criteria of any one assignment. In the fifth discipline, the art and practice of the learning organization, Peter M. Senge writes, deep down, we are all learners. No one has to teach an infant to learn anything. Not only is it our nature to learn, but we love to learn. Senge argues that few organizations encourage a broad learning horizon. Instead, many managers find collective inquiry inherently threatening. Harvard's Chris Argyris calls that approach skilled incompetence. To remedy that skilled incompetence, we need to examine the structures and systems that have led to it. We need to create new ones that embrace lifelong learning, heightened self-awareness, emotional intelligence, holistic thinking, deeper insight, and greater foresight. For an organization to withstand change and perform optimally, all people involved need a clear vision of their purpose and how it aligns with that of their colleagues. Organizations need to take a longitudinal approach to learning and consider how action affects outcome across multiple systems. If not, we'll continue to suffer the short-sightedness that has led to environmental negligence and the myopic attitude some governments have taken to public spending. If the pandemic has taught us nothing else, it's that our global systems are undeniably interconnected. The maladaptive practices of one system, whether in education, healthcare, or finance, will negatively affect every other system. As we'll look at in chapter three, interdependent networks also form the architecture of the human brain. When the relationship among brain networks swings out of balance, when one system goes into overdrive and another deteriorates, that imbalance affects the entire brain, the entire human being, and to a greater extent, that person's surroundings. After a hit of heroin, for example, a tidal wave in the reward circuits of the brain creates a ripple effect that touches not only individual neurochemistry, but whole brain and body behavior. A brain off balance affects an individual's interpersonal relationships and economic resources. That imbalance inevitably touches the wider community. When the support networks that uphold a community fall out of balance, it affects the individual. When people experiencing adversity lack consistent networks of support and reliable resources for health, safety, and education, they may seek relief or fulfillment, not to mention a sense of belonging in drugs or alcohol. In a Sufi story, a drunk man kneels haplessly looking for his keys. When a passerby finds him there, he offers to help. Where did you drop your keys? The passerby asks. The drunken man replies, outside my front door. 
then why look for them here? Because it's dark outside my front door. When we search for a solution only in the light of what we already understand, we may never find one. It takes courage to go into a dark place, even if that dark place is close to home, breaths away from our own front door. We need competent and caring guides to lead us through that darkness. Everyone deserves support to escape the realm of the hungry ghosts and to ascend far beyond it. Many things indicate that we are going through a transitional period when it seems that something is on the way out and something else is painfully being born, Senge writes. Examining the underlying causes of our behavior is difficult, if not painful. Even if those patterns no longer serve us, it's easy to get stuck in them. We all want a better future. We all want to lead the good life. But it's not enough to be enthusiastic for the future. Nor is it enough to be eager to live well. What if our idea of living a good life leads others to live in distress? What if our perception of the good life 10 years from now differs radically from our version of it today? When it comes to solving today's problems, it makes little sense to apply yesterday's solution. The easy way out, Senge writes, is usually the way back in. Mindfulness break. Lead like a daemon. If you don't like the word daemon, choose another. Inward oracle, inner compass, wise self. Your best work comes from that voice illuminated by its insights. There's no need to go looking outside yourself for insight right now. The risk of relying too heavily on the advice, opinion, and judgments of others is that it may lead you to mistrust your own voice. Feel free to use any ritual or strategy that works for you to get in touch with your inner voice. But elaborate rituals and formalities aren't necessary. Mindfulness is one of the simplest ways to bring your attention back to the present moment and let go of the chatter that habitually silences your deeper inner voice. A mind that is present has a sharper awareness of its surroundings, feelings, and thoughts Non-judgmental, moment-to-moment awareness prepares the mind for intuitive insight, those aha moments that arise without planning or coercion. Effectively leading your own life and career, not to mention others, requires you to trust your own wise voice. Here's an exercise to help. Close your eyes, or if you prefer, rest your eyes gently on a single point on the floor. Soften your gaze. Take 10 breaths. Notice the cool air entering your nose, filling up your belly, elevating your chest and clavicles and exiting again. Notice how when you do these breaths, your belly relaxes. Notice the pause between your inhale and your exhale. And remain curious about that pause. 
If you find your mind wandering, bring it back gently to the basic experience of breathing. Avoid judging any thoughts that arise or any sounds or sensations that appear. Just notice them gently, kindly. Attach neither story nor meaning to any sensation you experience while breathing. Slowly, mindfully, stretch your arms and yawn. Continue to breathe mindfully, without judgment. Enjoy any pleasurable sensations you experience. Notice any pain. Bend your chin to your chest and slowly rotate your neck to the right. Focus on the gradual progression of your movements as your head moves in a circle. Pay close attention to the tiny sensations in your shoulders, neck, and face. Ask your daemon, your inward oracle, your wise intuitive voice for a value. That value might be love, acceptance, trust, kindness or integrity or anything that arises. You're more likely to pay attention to and achieve your goals as well as make an impact as a leader if you are grounded strongly in your values. When a value word appears, take note. Absorb your attention in that word and imagine it expanding throughout your entire awareness. Immersed in that deep inner value, mindfully ask your intuition, what do I need to do next? What insight can I lead with now? Questions to summarize this chapter on the good life. How can you taste the sweetness of life in a way that reawakens your wonder? Can you learn what your hungry ghosts are? Why they appear, when they appear, and how to work with them in a way that's relaxed and curious and not judgmental? How can you pursue meaning and purpose, strive for collective well-being, and aim for what the Greeks called eudaimonia, fulfillment or an optimal state of being? Can you practice yawning this week to stay relaxed and awake to confront the challenges you have in a more mindful way? Can you bring your daemon, the personification of your wise, passionate, and ingenious inner voice, more mindfully into everything you do? And how can you adopt a deep learning approach to your work? Thank you for joining me. This has been Reading from Curiouser, the new science of insight and innovation. And stay tuned for next time when we explore your curious brain. Looking forward to seeing you soon.